0: Yeah, i do it.
1: everyone and welcome to In the Know with Cat Bobino And today my extra special guest is Dr. Ashley Taylor, who is a chemical, I mean, oh, analytical chemist. I knew I was going to say that wrong. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. And so for the audience, can you tell us what is an analytical chemist?
0: Yeah, so as an analytical chemist, we typically look at things, um, especially specifically in my research was more so in spectroscopy. Um, that's where I kind of, you know, started off as an analytical chemist looking at many different methods such as um, mass spec, chlorescent spectroscopy, um, HPLC. And it wasn't until I got to LSU where my analytical chemistry was a bit different where I was pretty much looking at surface chemistry and analyzing that using atomic force microscopy and so in there you know we use different statistical methods um, we do different patterning methods and imaging to kind of analyze you know chemistry on different surfaces and so Um, Within the analytical chemistry realm, I've seen the fluorescent side as well as the surface chemistry side.
1: Okay, and for us non-STEM people who may be in the audience, what is surface chemistry?
0: So surface chemistry, so the way that I like to think about it is, you know, looking at skin, right? Understanding the chemistry that might be present there. Um, With my surface chemistry, I I was kind of introducing different chemicals to kind of pattern different sequences of compounds on. On top of each other on the surface, and I can customize that based on you know whatever compound I was interested in looking at, depending on the type of method I would use for instrumentation. So, within AFM, maybe I was looking at something that might be conductive, um, so making sure I'm looking at something that had a metal surface, um, maybe I'm just trying to track different bioanalytical pathways on a surface, so how I bind that to the top of my skin, maybe I can see what's happening there. Um, so, typically, you know, doing atomic force microscopy, it was at the nanoscale, So very, very, very tiny. Um, but it, it was awesome to see, you know, things that happen at the molecular level.
1: Well, that's really, yeah. really cool. So that's a lot. That is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> as someone who decided to do biology instead of chemistry, uh, this was a good reminder as to why I chose <laughs> biology.
0: You know, of- I tell people like, people that do biology, your minds are just, like ridiculous like the amount of things that you can keep in there because for me i'm like okay there was a cell and things happened and they moved around and went around the body uh, but you know chemistry for me it was kind of like okay there's these compounds and add heat and things happen and you can check the temperature flow and how fast they go so um you know you can't do one without the other they always come in together some kind of way but to you biologists i take my hat off to you
1: <laughs> well thank you we are in admiration of each other and big
0: thing.
1: So, um. What made you go into chemistry, analytical chemistry? What made you decide to do that route?
0: So, growing up, I always knew that I was interested in STEM. And that was just mainly in part to my parents, you know, introducing that to us early. So, my brother and I, we originally grew up in Queens, New York, uh, moved over to Piscataway. But my dad was, he studied computer electrical engineering. Um, and my mom worked in the OR at NYU. And so, we always had some type of introduction to science, whether that was through their career um maybe it was science labs science fairs <laughs> science museums um so i was always interested in the science realm um it wasn't until i got to high school where you know you're trying to decide like hey like now i gotta, mm-hmm. gotta go to college you know what do i want to study um and for me i was always a hands-on learner i always enjoyed lab my experiments um but i just wasn't sure and my chemistry teacher in high school i um, will <laughs> never forget um mm-hmm. right Carter. We're gonna talk about my teacher in, in
1: <laughs> He said, well, I'm um, not even with teachers yet and I know they are.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so um I remember I had a big meet week one weekend. And I came in for a test. Totally forgot I had a test. This was my chemistry course. Um, I made a C on the on the exam, which was good for not studying because I forgot I had a test due to a track Um, But I was still upset because you know that you know it takes a toll on your grade. And I remember my chemistry teacher letting my parents know, like you know maybe she shouldn't focus on chemistry as a major. And for me, I took that as a challenge. I am somebody who will step up to a challenge and take it all the way. And so at that time, I'm applying to college, and I'm like, hey, you know, maybe I'll apply to chemistry. And I literally applied for only chemistry majors in all the universities I was applying to. And so um, that was kind of decided for me at that point. I didn't know what would bring me to here today, especially in analytical chemistry. Um, Luckily enough, I had a great um, mentor who did research in analytical And he introduced me to the analytical side of chemistry.
1: Well, that's really good. Um, I've actually interviewed another woman before who uh, that's kind of the same route with physics. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, she's a bit older and uh, she was told in high school to go interview people in a job she thought she wanted. Yeah. All the people in physics were men. They all said women couldn't do physics. Uh huh. And she was uh-huh. like, Oh, okay. Well, I'm about to go do physics, and right. she did. <laughs> and
0: and that's the thing, right? It's it's sometimes understanding. You know, when you're in a moment of challenge, you know, there will be people there that are knock you down, especially as you know, black people in STEM. Mm-hmm. You know, there we're always told we can't do that. Look at how we're progressing in many different areas. So I I, I kind of use that as motivation. It's literally my spark. Like when I when I defended my Dissertation. I made sure to print out a copy for that chemistry teacher. I still have that <laughs> reminder. But you know, my thing was it was just a reminder of like, you know, you told me no, and imagine if I would have took her advice.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's really cool that you decided not to take her advice and to go <laughs> ahead and and follow the dream that you wanted to do. So I'm um, gonna just take this moment to remind everyone we're live right now on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. So if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to put them in. chat they will come here and we can see them and read them out loud for everyone i got one from steve saying nice opening graphics thank you You work in progress so (laughs) but um so back to you dr taylor uh that's really cool that you decided bump what you're saying i messed up i know i did um, on this particular test but that doesn't mean i can't do the work and so um when you went to college and you went to, you graduated from lsu right so i did my
0: phd and my masters at lsu but i did my undergrad at winston salem state university uh, which is the hbcu in winston-salem north carolina
1: Okay, okay. Okay. Well, welcome to I'm the HBCU clan. You know, I went to Stillman College in Alabama, so it's okay. all about HBCUs. Yes, uh-huh, uh-huh. yes. All day, every day. <laughs> all day. Um, right. So I was just about to say, um, I know when you go to a PWI, sometimes we, and especially in STEM, could be one of only or one of few. What was your experience getting your PhD at LSU?
0: So my experience was pretty different in the sense of LSU, they actually used to be number one in producing PhDs in the chemistry department. Um, So, of course, when, you know, it came to recruiting, came to visiting the school, you know, you see all of these black and brown faces in the department, which is encouraging, right, because, Mm -hmm. you know, it's already scary enough having to go through a doctoral program, but to see other people who look like you, you know, fighting in the same fight and progressing and getting those positions, you know, it was nothing but motivational. Um, so why, by the time I got to the institution, um, there was, oh, it was me and three other girls in the same class, but we did have other mentors who were students in the, I guess, the higher class range. If you look at that, um, but you know, we had to lean on each other, you know, they, we were coming in with a different perspective, three out of the mm-hmm. four of us in the class came from HBCU. So kind of understanding that transition of like, you know, in hbcu everybody looks like us and we all mm-hmm. progress we all do it and we have the support we have the professors there in the mentorship to make sure you know we're doing what we need to do um especially when our parents were not there on campus with us so right.
1: you know right. we
0: had that. whereas at lsu although i had a little crew with me you know i still had to seek that mentorship so it, when it came to professors you know there was only one black man amazing black man mm-hmm. professor isaiah warner <laughs> he was the only one in the department who, you know, was recruiting us, you know, who was like tending to us, mentoring us, making right. sure we were on the right, right path. And so for me, I made sure to seek mentorship in other departments. So other people that looked like me who are higher up in their different departments. Um, and I also see out, like seeked out different organizations. So I was a member in our Nova Shea chapter um for LSU which is very long name Profe- National Organization for the Professional Advancement of Black wow. Chemists and Chemical Engineers so that's NOBCSE wow. wow. <laughs> um and then I also was a member of the black uh, graduate professional student association and so in there you know more students graduate students who looked like me who were in just different mm-hmm. departments and so it was just good to kind of keep that energy around so that this way you know we understood each other we understood the goal and we could motivate each other
1: that's really cool That's really good because when you transition from a HBCU to a PWI, I don't think uh, a lot of times people realize the real big change that happens. You know, on a, in an HBCU, you have people who are rooting for you. Yes. So you know, if you decide to sleep in one day for a class, you might get a knock on the door like. Mm-mm. <laughs> don't do that right.
0: again <laughs> <laughs> exactly whereas you know at lsu like we only had a handful of those people doing that for us and so right. i mean it was definitely a difference like just looking at the campus was like whoa like okay i need to figure out how do i fit in here um how do right. i make a name for myself and understand that you know there might be professors who are also not in in agreement of supporting what it is i do and you know i still have to navigate around that and so Um, Being sure to find that support, that team, you know, that sponsorship. Also, a lot of people speak about mentorship, but they don't mention the sponsorship piece. Um, Mm -hmm. Sponsorships in the sense of you have people who advocate for you
1: Um, when it's
0: time to make those big decisions on big moves within the program. You know, they can speak well on your name based on their experience with you. And so um, that's where I felt like I met that piece um, once I got to that PWI.
1: Well, that's really cool. That's really cool. So were there any um, opportunities that were offered to you while you were doing your PhD or right after that you got through some of these organizations and some of the uh, programs you did?
0: So um, some of the opportunities were more so kind of sitting in leadership positions for the organizations. Um, okay. which was really good because, you know, as a scientist, you know, people tend to feel like we are kind of like just tunnel vision to the bench. They feel like we're more introverted. Whereas me, mm-hmm. I was, I'm open. Like I will talk to anybody. I like to have a good time. Um, and people always know me for that kind of bubbly personality in the sense of I'm personable. Like if you want to talk about stuff, Oh yeah, Ashley talked you. She know everybody. She networked with everybody. Yep. Um, so, you know, being in those organizations, I was able to kind of, Whole, like hone in those skill sets in the sense of, you know, being to net, being able to network, collaborate, meet other people so that this way they kind of seem like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, this girl does have something in her. And that's allowed me to sit yeah. on different mm-hmm. executive positions within chapters of BGPSA as well as Shay. Um, you know, when it came to transitioning from LSU into my positions based on those interactions and the who you knows, right? Because as you network, mm-hmm. you, know, you start meeting people in different places, and they might know somebody that's over there. And so many opportunities have been brought to me as far as postdocs, um, positions at other big companies, which I didn't take on. But you know those came from me networking within those
1: uh, specific spaces. Well, that's really, that's really good because, yes, we don't understand sometimes that how important it is to network and mm-hmm. including myself when I was a lot younger, it being able to sell yourself can sometimes be difficult, um, but just being open-minded and saying, this is what I like and this is what I do is enough to sell yourself and you never know who's listening and right. who might take you to a level you didn't know about. So that's you really know. cool it's funny you bring up
0: that point because it reminds me i remember it was my first nova Shea conference it was in orlando florida um and i was just talking with this group of people had no idea who they were but you know we were pretty much always sitting together at every single activity every lunch and dinner um mm-hmm. and then next thing you know i get an email towards the end of the conference from this again i don't know who these people are don't remember their names at that moment I get an email saying, you know, you're going to be an award recipient. And I'm like, are they talking to me? Um, Because again, you know, Ashley Taylor is such a common name. And so I'm like, I don't know if they meant they, like, I was receiving an award. Like, I don't know what I did to get an award, but I don't think it's me. Um, And next thing you know, when I go to the award ceremony, it was the group of people that i was hanging with the whole time and even them they were like we didn't even know that this was you like we've been talking to you this whole time and we didn't realize that it was you that we were talking to who'd be receiving this award and so it was an award to go to any acs conference i wanted to go to within the next year um which was awesome because again they paid for me to go to acs paid for me to present my research and kind of network build out that network of people in i think i went to yeah i went to san diego california
1: well, that's really cool that uh, you got all those opportunities. Um, what was what were your next steps once you got your PhD? What did you do after that?
0: So, once I got my PhD, it was actually a very humble beginning. Okay, very humble in the sense of so something that I didn't mention earlier was I was always interested in getting into beauty, getting into makeup, um, but I, I wasn't sure how to go about that. You know, n- not a lot of people talk about the science behind you know the beauty world. Um, and so of course I had a mentor who I was talking to, who is flourishing. You know, this woman is literally, I'm in awe of her. And every time I see her on a screen or anywhere, I'm like, I can't believe I know this woman. I can't believe I've been able to talk with this woman, um, about her journey. And, you know, I'm starting my journey in that realm. And so, um, with talking with her, she was kind of coaching me on things and opportunities kind of came through. Um, it was a, it was a recruiter that called me, um, And he legit said, hey, you know, are you still interested in the positions? Are you looking? And I'm like, yeah, I'm still interested. Mm -hmm. At the time I had turned down a postdoc because I I didn't want to go back into the academic setting. Um, I really wanted to get into a consumer company. And so, you know, he said, hey, you know, I have a position for a technician um, at a beauty company. And for me, I had to take a seat back. And I'm like, I did all these years of school, got my PhD, my master's, my bachelor's in chemistry. And all you're offering me is a technician position. And, you know, I had to take a seat back and understand, you know, when it came to many different other consumer companies, a lot of them were looking for experience. And I didn't have that experience. I was only in school. Um, So I, thought, you know, okay, was, even though it's a technician role, I can at least get in, get in the door of beauty, kind of get around people, network with these people, collaborate with these people, learn the stuff that they're talking about, you know, talk the talk, walk the walk. And at the same time, interview and try to get another role, but at least now I have something to talk about within that beauty realm. And so um, within six months of being that technician, I actually landed a permanent scientist role with the company. Um, and where I was formulating many different anti-aging beauty um, products for two different brands and partnering with even a bigger brand. Um, So it it was a humbling start, but it was an amazing start to get in the door that kind of just, took off as soon as that door kind of opened,
1: right. so um the reason that we are doing the podcast and how I found you uh, on Instagram, you say that you are all things beauty and stem. Ooh. so <laughs> I love that. Mm-hmm. what uh, so you're looking on the other side, the chemical side, the the yeah. making of the products, right? Um, yes. And so this has is this always been something you was interested in like the beauty the the beauty products and things <laughs> like that, or did that come later?
0: Yeah, so I was always interested in that even growing up as a child, you know, I was interested in beauty. I remember my mom getting like her Avon things, getting me all the lip glosses or, you know, you had the Scholastic book fairs, right? And I'm trying to buy the beauty. I want to make the lip gloss. Like I don't, I'm, I wasn't in the book. I want to make the lip gloss. Um, And so, you know, like I said, it, it almost was taboo to talk about it because you'd never really heard anybody talk about the scientific side of that. And so, you know, it wasn't until I got to undergrad, I would talk about it all the time, like, I'm going to Work for a makeup company. I'm, I'm gonna work for Mac. I'm, I'm gonna work for L'Oreal. I'm gonna do all this, right? Um, but you know, at the same time, it was a matter of gaining many skill sets in science to figure out, you know, what's gonna be applicable at once I get to that stage. Um, and so, when the opportunity actually came, I always say it was number God because I'm like, I don't know how this came about. Like it, when you look at my rap sheet on the science that I've done, the publications that I have, the, the presentations that I've done there's nothing There's nothing about beauty in there. Um, but for me, it was always a personal goal to get into that realm. And so making sure I was networking with those people, you know, reading those people. I joined the Society of Cosmetic Chemists to kind of talk with people to kind of understand, you know, what their path was. And so to finally, you know, join a company where now I'm a scientist, I get to formulate, you know, anti-aging beauty products. So cleansers, masks, moisturizers, serums, you know, you name it, I've touched or seen some part of it, um, whether that was formulating it or, you know, tracking reformulation or maybe doing stability on certain products to make sure that, you know, they can last once it gets to a customer shelf. Um, And so for me, it it was just amazing to kind of learn that side. It was definitely a different type of chemistry that I had to learn on the spot and at the same time produce. Um, Because again, you know, you're working for a company that's giving products to people. So I want to make sure that there's safe. Um, but at the same time, it it was just so much, it was just amazing to kind of learn in that space because I wanted to be in that space for so long. So I was kind of more into it. Like I was passionate about it. Like I want to read everything about it. Any conference there was, I was trying to get to it. So, um, being able to be in that space, it was kind of very eye opening, but an exciting eye opening because I've been wanting it for so long.
1: That's really cool. So, I mean, people are going to listen to this podcast later and be like, oh, cat was really quiet. Well, I was <laughs> muted because somebody is screaming in my ear. So everyone <laughs> who's watching, <laughs> I have someone who is being uh, very tor- tormental. He, right also now has to, he, he has
0: things he wants to say on the podcast.
1: <laughs> he really does. He really does. And I'm, I'm trying to give him a platform because he is going to brush your eardrums by screaming. <laughs> um, That is really cool. Um, I've actually met another chemist before who was really into makeup, but I don't think I've ever heard of the society. I don't, I know you said it and I did not hear all of it. Thanks to someone, but the society of of chemists who work with makeup, like that's a really cool thing.
0: Yeah, so it, it's pretty awesome. They have many chapters, you know. I believe it's across the states. There might even be chapters globally. They have conferences annually. Um, you know, when I attended, when I first joined, I was in undergrad. Now, this is how serious I was about being in this space. Like, I was in undergrad doing my research in the analytical side, but I reached out to these people because I'm like, look, I'm doing all this stuff. You know, I'm doing all the, the chemistry, doing the research, and all the stuff they tell me to do. But I need to know how do I get in the door and so for me you know at the time it was amazing because i was in north carolina and i contacted the chair who was in new york because in my mind i was always coming back to the north um and so i contacted the chair at the time in new york he paid for my membership to be a member so this way i had access to like the different journals they would have different webinars and classes and so it was just nice to you know have access to that so that this way i can see you know what are they doing in science? Because it's not typically something that you would see, you know, on a paradigm at school. Um, So, you know, with learning with that, you know, they had many graduate programs, you know, at the time kind of brewing, Um, but I didn't join, you know, a program strictly for for makeup because I still kind of wanted to keep my range open and range open in the sense of, you know, do many different internships at different universities so that I could number one, pick out where I wanted to go to graduate school, but also having in the back of my mind, depending on what school I go to, you know, they had research that I felt would be applicable for me in the future. And so, um, the society was very awesome. Still a member to this day. Um, once I got into my career in beauty, you know, I've attended the conferences. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's amazing the many different beauty products that are out there, the science that goes behind them, the research that they're doing to develop technologies behind beauty. You know, it's it's endless. And so to finally be in that world and kind of see the many different aspects of it you know it just keeps going and and again it just reminds me like wow you actually made it to that point to kind of see you know what's happening on that side
1: yes that's really that's really cool and uh, again i'm gonna take the time to remind everyone we're on facebook and youtube and twitter live so if you have questions or comments please feel free to put them in the chat we'll see them and say them out loud or you can see them yourself which like steve said um Amazing story, Ashley. Wow. (laughs) So that's really cool uh, what you got going on. Now, this question is a biased question and you can answer it or you don't have to, but what makeup do you prefer?
0: Okay. So for me, I am all over the place when it comes to that, but (laughs) I will say um, a lot of my, I guess my makeup profile is Fenty. Um, I enjoy Fenty because of the many different pigments that they have. I know growing up as I would use makeup, I would have to buy different type of colors to kind of match out what would be best for my shade. Um, right, and right. that because again, you know, in the fall, you're one color, in the winter, you're another color, then you're getting the, the tan and in the summer, the spring. So, yep. you know, I just had to make sure I had some type of shade. And because there were many different shades within Fenty to get my in-betweeners, Definitely love that. And I love the high degree of pigments that they do use because then you only need a little bit for that full coverage look. Um, So definitely love Fenty. Um, When it comes to lip products, people do not believe me when I say this, And I never believed it as soon as I put it on, I was like, oh, somebody lying. Like, what's it? What is this spot? Um, so wet and wild, they have this line. I think it's cat suit or something like that, where it's the now, I'm not wearing matte today, but it is the perfect matte and perfect pigmentation to the point where you can put it on and it lasts all day. I can rub my lips, all that. And it is still in place where it needs to be. So for me, I'm like, is this wet? Well, I'm like somebody lying. Y'all just put that sticker on there and said it was wet. Wow. But um, So that is my favorite. Um, When I'm looking at highlighters, there's actually a friend um, from high school. She has a beauty line um it's called Shop basic, basic beauty i just started using her highlighters and again you know people are now paying attention to as black women we need things with color that have great pigment concentration of pigment so they show yes. up on your skin um so she did a great job of seeking out her vendors and her scientists to make sure they put together the right highlighters um because sometimes you put it on a highlighter and it's just like glitter so, you know, you want to make sure it looks blended. It's nice. It hits the angles mm-hmm. correct. So I've been using Fenty, Wet and Wild. Um, and for my brows, I definitely always go with the Anastasia Beverly line. So I'm all over the place. Like I will try things. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty much all over the place when it comes to that.
1: And that is all good, you know. You gotta, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta pick and choose which ones work for you. You right. know. I um I don't wear a lot of makeup and I would have had lipstick on tonight but I was, I had to go to a doctor's appointment. I have a mask on all this whole time so I was just like, man, I'm not going to wear no lipstick. <laughs> um but <laughs> and people are going to laugh at me and probably and yell at me later for this, but there's a dollar store called Daiso, it's Japanese like dollar store whatever, okay. but they have this like Japanese lip gloss that is amazing <sighs> to me. You know, and it's like a <laughs> mad like, and it just stays.
0: Yes, because so I know a lot of times, you know, when we were developing our skincare lines, you know, we always looked at J Beauty and K Beauty because they, you know, over there, pretty much across Asia, you know, they have the beauty game down as far as understanding innovative like technologies, innovative products, you know, regimens and so forth, depending on whether you go K-Beauty, J-Beauty, they're going down from historic, you know, what it is they used back then and, and, yeah. and how they yeah. implement it today. Um, so, no, I, I I would definitely like to see what that lip gloss is um, because, again, we kind of use that as a way to kind of understand, you know, what's what's coming, what's hap- what's hot now, like what is happening, how do we implement these into the products on this side of the world?
1: okay. you, you might be ahead of the game, right now. A game right now
0: you had it again right now
1: i'm gonna take it <laughs> all right so uh steve asked um do you get into the lash side of beauty industry so the eyelashes
0: Okay. So I, I personally have not. I had a friend who worked in there, which is, it's very high pigmentation. Formulation is very interesting because these are thick things that have to stick to the eye and kind of last and not smudge around. Um, but I am somebody who is uh, because, you know, when it comes to makeup and I want the easiest process ever, I just go get my lashes done. I, and, and I get them done. I don't know how to put on a strip lash or like, I, I tried a few times and just did not get it. Um, but I have not worked in that industry. I've had friends who worked in that industry, which was cool because I got to, you know, see different products and kind of understand formulation on that side. But me personally, mm. have not um, worked in that space.
1: Well, I have like uh, a brand new package of those magnetic lashes. I have not tried mm, them mm, yet. Mm, but mm. I'm like, you know what? I can't do the whole glue set it it.
0: right they tell you to cut it to make sure it fit i try and i could never get i couldn't Mm -hmm. it'll be all the way above the lash line and it is so for me i just go get them done that's one less thing i have to worry about (laughs) and for the days that i don't want to wear makeup i'm like okay at least i have that and i could go with my day and i look somewhat presentable for my day yeah
1: well you know i I have a four-month-old son so i'm not and it's a pandemic, so I'm going nowhere. So i like, right, gonna like, right. <laughs> I'm going to wear these magnetic lashes one day. You know, I don't know what day, but one day they're going to, I'm going to smack them on and be like, yep.
0: Then we're going to be out the door.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm going to be like, look at me. Exactly, <laughs> I'm <out> here!" Exactly. <laughs> so that's, oh man. So that's really cool. Um, so do you currently still work in the makeup? Chemistry um, side so
0: actually i have moved on into the business side of things um for me it was it was very fun working in that space still have a lot of interest in that space but i there were mm-hmm. other things i wanted to kind of learn about the business um so that this way as i climb the ladder in my company you know i now have a well-rounded view as to how to go to market um and go to market in the sense of you know, being a scientist on the beauty side and being at a smaller company that was acquired by a bigger company, I got to see the end to end. So end to end meaning, you know, with marketing, I'm seeing their ideation. We're having those discussions to say, you know, what is it that we want to put out on this product line? Um, then you have scientists making things to kind of see if this fits what marketing wants to see, fitting what consumers want, working with technical transfer to scale it up so they can produce this product, you know, working with project management to make sure that we're on time, um, aside from being on time, you know, getting things, making sure we're compliant, you know, we're we're working Mm -hmm. with regulatory to make sure we're using ingredients that we're supposed to be using that won't hurt people, you know, testing with clinical micro. Um. And that was all great for understanding the R and D process to get this this final product to get whatever that facial wash is or whatever that mask is. Um, but then it was kind of understanding like, well, what conversations are we having with our consumers to understand if this is what they even want? Um, aside from if this is what we want, you know, what are we putting in front of them? What kind of content are we putting in front of them? What kind of deals or promotions are we running in stores to make sure that we're still competitive? you know, against many of the other, you know, people that are putting around around the same products. And so now I'm a senior analyst on that side, maybe looking into data analytics behind, you know, what's driving the consumer to our product to understand how do we become more profitable. And so I get to work with brands, not only in beauty, but in other consumer spaces. Um, So such as pain and allergy um, in body, um, also still within skincare um to kind of understand you know what are those profitable practices that we should be implementing so that this way people will buy into our products they feel that they're getting something out of it and our company is getting something out of it as well so my stem has switched from you know the hard wet bench sciences to now more so the data analytics behind you know what's happening with what it is we're putting out on the market
1: oh, okay, all, okay. Right. all right, all right that's really cool that you're now on the business aspect of it um i think sometimes people don't realize when it comes to stem you don't have to stay in this one particular aspect of it you don't if you start off as a research scientist you don't actually have to stay a research scientist you can take the knowledge that you've gained and create a new job or or go further in your field um Mm -hmm. so i'm really glad that you've had that opportunity you can share that that there's more to it than just the bench work. Now you can do the business side of it. Where do you see this going and progressing in the next couple of years?
0: Yeah. So um, for me, it was, even just speaking to the point you just said, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't know myself until I got into that space. You know, for me, it was, you know, while you're in graduate school or even in undergrad, you know, you hear that you're in a STEM a STEM area, and then they're like, okay, you're going to do R and D, or you know, you're going to go be a professor and run a research lab, and I'm like. I don't want to do that. I want to be a consumer. Um, And so for me, um, being in this space, you know, I had mentors kind of. You know, telling me that, you know, you have skill sets that can be reached out to other places. Like, you can use them. You know, for me, it was, I was just like, oh, I can formulate things. You know, I, you need me to tap into my surface chemistry side. I could bring out the instrumentation that you need me to do. Like, you know, it came to a point where people would come to me and ask me questions about my science and my chemistry. Um, but there were also other skill sets. You know, like I said, that networking piece, that collaborating piece, you know, those soft skills, that's what allowed me to jump now into this more business developed role. And so, You know, what I see for my future is I'm trying to figure out how do I bridge the gap between the education behind the chemistry that happens behind our consumer products and bringing it to the consumer so for me it was always about you know when i joined beauty i wanted to be a scientist that can educate them on the science that's happening in our products um and one piece of information one of my mentors she said this and it always stuck in my head was you know when everybody wanted things that were natural everything had to be natural you know i only want to put natural things on my body you know she was like she her her example was if you look at an apple that has a chemical structure right Water is a compound, right? That's chemistry. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes it's just a matter of kind of understanding, you know, why it is we use certain compounds and formulation or why it is you might see a specific chemical in a product that you're buying. And so I feel like if we're more open about the education behind that, people will be a little bit more open to You know science is advancing certain technologies so you don't have to wait as long for things to happen um so for me is i'm still interested in kind of driving that point home so that people kind of feel more comfortable using different products um but at the same time i kind of want to be in a seat where i can make those decisions on the strategy behind okay we've made this product how we how do we put it in front of people how do we educate people about that so for me it would be um maybe looking more so on the customer strategy side in the sense of strategizing how we get those products out there and aside from Mm -hmm. getting them out there how do we reel in the consumer to understand what it is we're doing and kind of continue to build that trust um so that this way they will buy into our products versus um, the competitor. So, right now, I'm interested in looking at all cases. I feel like all cases, in the sense of if I understand how to make pain products look sexy, right? You know, beauty, it's, it's easier to look sexy. Like, we're always talking about, hey, like, this is beautiful. That looks great. That's enhancing this. Mm-hmm. But then, how do you do that for pain products? How do you do that for an allergy product? So, I think that, you know, if I'm able to learn those skill sets and apply them, I can kind of innovate a different pathway or a different outlook or an approach to showing that for the beauty side.
1: So I had my own idea Well, it's not my idea it's something I saw on TV for beauty But then you threw it to pain and allergy And I was like, well, I don't know I have no clue what to do with that <laughs> But um, I think it was like an old school commercial Maybe in the 50s Where a woman went to like this beauty products place And it was like in London or France or something And um, so they were testing all these powdered minerals on her face. And so mm-hmm. they realized it was like a combination of three to get the color she needed. So mm-hmm. they took these all these uh powders, put it into a tumbler, tumbled them together, and then pressed it into uh the makeup um compartment or whatever so mm-hmm. that she had her personalized, you know, makeup compact to go home with. Yeah. And like to me, I was like, that's really cool. I wish they kind of did that now with Mm -hmm. different pigments where they can just say, hey, we're going to meld it all together and personalize your exact pigment. Yeah. I've always thought that was something. I know you can't do it for everyone. Like there's millions of people, but a few people and put that on TV, and people are like, "Oh my God, yeah!"
0: You know, I personal. feel like that's it's definitely possible because a lot of companies are now moving more towards like the personalized feel, right? Um, so it was almost <laughs> as if they went to. You know, you just buy your products in the store. Then there was a moment of the DIY kind of tapping in. And then now like I'm seeing commercials on like, like the Curology, right? You can show them like your skin issues, you send it in and they send you exactly what you need to take care of that. Then that's specific to your skin. You know, what works for you may not work for somebody else. Um, So I feel like, you know, that's definitely something that is possible because again, a lot of companies are moving towards, you know, what's going to work specifically. How do we build again, building that trust with that consumer? to let them know you, you know, we're keeping you in mind as we're formulating what it is we're doing. And so I I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, that kind of be on the map um, in a special place. I I remember at least in New York, um, there was a place where I think I can't remember what this was called. Um, but you can go in the store and it was for lipstick and you can go in there, you can kind of pick out which pigments that you wanted specifically. And it was kind of like you're brought into the process of making the lipstick that you want for you for your shade. Um, so it was cool. It was like a store like you can go in, you can do a tour, you can make your own lipsticks and stuff like that. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's something that does come out on the market.
1: That's really cool, yeah. They need to do more like that. I mean, you know, post-pandemic, but they need to Mm -hmm. do stuff like that. That would be really cool. Um, And then I remember talking to someone, I can't remember what her field was, but um, what she was working in, I think the engineering aspect of it, it was like a bioengineering, but they would take um, your blood sample Mm -hmm. and then whatever is wrong with you, they would use your DNA to construct a medication directly for you. Oh, wow. Yes, um, I know I recently talked to her like in the last two months, um, Mm -hmm. but she did like bioengineering. So that's coming up into the process.
0: It is because again, like, you know, we can put many products out there on the market and like we're saying, you know, what works for one may not work for other. And, you know, based on what that science is that they're driving in home, you know, they might be able to create things to kind of prevent measures of things that could happen to you later on down the line. Um, So, yeah, it's definitely a place where personalization is becoming a a, a great idea. It is rolling up in many different companies um, just to make sure that, you know, we're keeping the consumer in mind, because at the end of the day, you're spending your dollars with us. You know, you're investing in Mm -hmm. us to make sure we're enhancing, you know, whatever the category may be. And so I feel like, you know, bringing the consumer first should always be, you know, what it is you're pushing off of, because they're the ones that's going to pour the money into you at the end of the day.
1: Right. Right. So, um, again, last (laughs) reminder, everyone, we are live on Facebook, uh, YouTube, and Twitter. And so if you have questions, comments, please put them in the chat. We can see them. We'll show them. Um, Back when we were still talking about lashes, um, Steve had mentioned something about Mae Brown at I Plus Lash. Pretty sure he's shouting somebody out, which is fine by me. I am all about everyone getting... Unchecked. So I will definitely I mean, look that out. <laughs> make sure you look them up and, and check them out. Uh if you're interested in eyelashes. So uh thank you, Steve, for sending that. Um, but anyway, so it's really amazing you've gone this journey. You had parents who kind of pushed you into STEM or at least opened your mind to the possibilities of STEM mm-hmm. going into college. You had one teacher in high school who was like, eh, You can't do chemistry. And now look at you doing amazing <laughs> things in chemistry. And then working into the beauty, the beauty line behind the scenes, the business aspect. Hopefully, in the next few years, things will progress where it'll be, you know, make it more personalized and people can really see the behind the scenes. Now, are there things behind the scenes maybe we shouldn't see? <laughs> maybe we should be just a little bit blind
0: you know when i think about that I, i really can't think of anything and i say that only because um i remember when i was working for a particular brand you know we used to do a lot of competitive analysis and a lot of that would be just sometimes just going into a store right and um We would go into our Sephora's and our Ulta's just to kind of see, you know, what's out there, what's on the shelves, you know, what are people talking about? And I would hear, you know, a lot of the customers saying, oh, I want hyaluronic acid in my product." You know, I need to make sure this product has mandelic acid in here. Um, And so people are well aware as to what is in their product. um, And also, you know, for me, like I said, for me, I like to be very transparent. And I feel like by being transparent about that ingredient play, you build the trust of your consumer. And so mm-hmm. by hearing what it is that they want, you know, hearing how they talk about things, being able to educate them behind what it is they're talking about, understanding why those serving ingredients are in a product, you know, I feel like they'll feel more comfortable to try new products with you. Like, you might have certain brands where you're like, okay, I only use this this face wash because I feel comfortable, but I'm, I'm, I'm a little nervous to try a serum or something like that. You know, I feel like if the brands are kind of talking about it, you can. Eat, I mean, this is public knowledge. You can go on the websites, they'll have dictionaries there to kind of let you know of what's in their products and so forth. I feel like that'll bring people more open to, you know, trying new things in your product line. You know, a lot of times we try to innovate, but we're innovating, making sure that, you know, this is something that is a need. Um, this is something that consumers are actually wanting. And so, you know, for me, I feel like the more transparent you are the more buy-in you get from your consumer Um, and the more they're willing to try other new things that you might put out on the table so I don't think that there's anything in there that I wouldn't show on that side Um, again the many different areas are very important to get that product out there and so I think that as we're transparent about that as we kind of let them know it's kind of letting them into our home in the sense of you know this is what I have this is what I bring to you indoor and outdoor like what you get it from me in home you'll get from me on the outside so So um, I think the transparency piece plays a very big role in developing that trust between the consumer and whoever the company may be.
1: Yeah, that's exactly the word I was about to use is the trust factor. You know, when you um, have a trust in the company you're using, then you're going to maintain it, use it more and even share that product with other people, you know. I know I took a business class many years ago, but Mm -hmm. the main uh, objective is you you can advertise all you want to. Word of mouth is truly still the best. Even if word of mouth is social media, word of mouth is always going to be your best bet to sell a product. So. Yeah, I I
0: definitely agree there because, you know, Mm -hmm. even now, so in my role now, I look at, you know, pretty much how do consumers engage with what is it that we're putting out there? Um, And in the sense of the different claims messaging that our products will have, Um, you know, now that we're in, you know, we're living in a pandemic Mm -hmm. and you can't get to the store readily to try on a product. Right now you're relying on reviews. So you're hoping that people are talking about what it is that you're doing. And based on those reviews, which is now our word of mouth today, since we're not in person anymore you know that's what's going to help bring that customer in to say hey you know this person was talking about that i keep seeing people they have all these stars and stuff you know let me try this product and so i i believe that that transparency will definitely keep bringing those consumers in
1: Oh, yes. You know, as as someone who spends way too much time on Amazon, those stars really let us know, you know, maybe this is a good product for me to buy.
0: Yes, for sure. I'm the same way. So, yes, I will look at a review all day, every day. Um, Being on the beauty, seeing that beauty side, I do look at ingredients and make sure that, you know, whatever it is they're calling out does match up to what their ingredient list is saying. Um, But, yes, I still live off of reviews. I feel like by seeing, if it's working for somebody else, you know and it's working for a lot of people I'll let me try it let me see if that works for me
1: exactly yeah. you know I'm just like I'd be because you know especially when you're you're talking about a, a certain product and then you get on Facebook or Instagram somehow you get the commercial or the ad for that product you know mm-hmm. and if we all know they list the phone listens to us whatever <laughs> we just we know at this point um but you're gonna get the product and um I have a partner who loves Technology and he'll see it and he'll go straight to it like oh that looks good I'm gonna buy it and I'm like no look mm-hmm. at the reviews like <laughs> not just jump and buy you can't baby. do that
0: right you, you, we got to see what people are talking about you,
1: you got to say and then you see oh this is this product is from overseas and it's crappy and it didn't do this see? that's why i be like mm. mm-hmm.
0: you gotta read the reviews got gotta you read, gotta the, read
1: reviews. the reviews <laughs> so um I am working on my beauty aspect you know I'm really comfortable with someone else doing my makeup mm-hmm. but I need to learn how to do my own makeup mm-hmm. and um whew, I love drag queens and then I see their I makeup and I'm just like
0: Oh. I mean, they, 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 I mean, they go all in, they take the risk. They bring the colors together. Like me, I'll look at a palette and I'll be like, nah, I don't know how to, sometimes I could get them. Like, I feel like this can, this can run off into this color and that'll be a nice ombre, but they bring it all the way home. I, I absolutely mm-hmm. love it. Now, granted, I am the type of person where I'm very quick with my makeup. I need something that's high pigment, ready to go. Cause I like to be eight, one, two, three done and out the door when they're doing it. It takes time, you know, it takes many hours to get that look and if i'm doing all that i need you to see that look the whole week like you i'm not washing this off because everybody must see what i have put together so i come that i i wish i could do it i wish i could do it because they splay it every time
1: every time every every time and i just be like oh you making me <laughs> as a as a woman a born woman just look bad but that's cool you know because I'm I'm still clap for you but you make yes, me look bad yes. you know um but it, it is amazing that mm-hmm. the amount the beauty that they can bring from makeup and yes looking at the palette my palettes sometimes are this big because I'm like I can I a good six colors is good for me I'm right. not
0: <laughs> wait i I will try to dab in there and see if it works. But yeah, I'm like, let me just get what I need to do, get the natural beat, and be out the door. If anything, that's I'm it, always like, I'm it. good for a popping lip because that's the most color I can. I'm like, this I can't mess up. I can't mess this up. It's just that one color. It, it goes, boom. Um, But, yeah, some of those palettes, I'm like, I don't even know where to start. So I'm going to just Mm-mm. play around and see what happens,
1: and we're going to keep it moving. If you got green in your palette, I probably even looked over it because I was like, <laughs> what am I going to wear green and green eyelash? <laughs> I, uh, like, i'm not doing that that looks <laughs> terrible <laughs> i'm gonna look like a clown <laughs> not doing it mm-hmm. um but thank you dr taylor for taking the time to talk with us tonight uh if anyone is interested in learning more about you how can they find you either social media or anything like that what's the best way to find you
0: um, I would definitely say the best way to get to me, easiest way to find me is if you looked on my LinkedIn page, it's under Ashley Taylor, Ph.D. Um, so spelled exactly like my name, just add Ph.D. And that's probably the easiest way um, to find me.
1: Cool. cool. And is there any last thing you want to share before we go?
0: Um, for me, I, I always I always put out the message, you know, trust the scientists. Um, And trust the scientists in the sense of, you know, no matter what's going on, what it is you're looking into products, you know, for me, it's, we have been around plenty of years to try to develop easier ways, quicker ways to solve problems, to solve issues. Um, And so, you know, we, we have an idea as to what it is we're doing. We have insight as to what it is we're doing. So when it comes to products and stuff like that, as you're reading things, you know, trust the scientists and ask questions. Um, even look up things you know the knowledge is out there especially when it comes to so for me it's like always have the conversations with my friends as far as natural versus this like we shouldn't wear this and da, da, da. you know my thing is like yes there are certain things that you may want to stay from if they're in greater quantities but you know when it comes to products they're not at that great quantity to where it should cause harm um, mm-hmm. if there are irritants that you're you know you're you break out from of course stay away from those but you know day-to-day we're working to make sure that you know we're providing science that works in products that'll get you results um, as quick as we can but also keeping efficiency in mind or efficacy in mind Um, so definitely you know challenge the scientists you know talk to us ask us those questions you know we're there to help develop make things easier we have many technology that was that didn't exist in the past to kind of solve problems And so you know I feel like you know by doing this program, this is kind of opening that insight into what a scientist yeah. is doing day to day to kind of make sure that we're producing for what people want and, again, to build out that trust factor.
1: Really, That's a really good answer, really good response. I think uh, anyone listening, watching today, or are going to listen later on, which is fine by me, make sure that you uh, take that and eat it swallow it down, put that all up in there, you know. All up in there. <clears throat> all up in there, you know, we we want to trust the people who actually studied the stuff and maybe mm-hmm. not the ones who found things on the internet, so, you know. Yes. Yeah. You know, just, sometimes
0: the bloggers they they scare people away and it's like, you know, sometimes they didn't do their they didn't do their research on this stuff too. So again, if you have any scientists near you, access to them, please, you know, just, just sum up a conversation, feel free to challenge them. Um, I'm not saying we know everything. Um, There are some things where we have to look further into to understand, you know, how to come up with an answer or how to answer a problem, but that's what scientists are. We are problem solvers. And so, you know, by seeking, you know, insight into what it is that we're doing day to day and how science plays a role. I definitely say, you know, talk to a scientist. I'm pretty sure you can get, feel a little bit more comfortable about where you stand on what it is you're purchasing and so forth.
1: Right. I would say the mark of a good scientist is someone who can say, I don't know. know?
0: (laughs) There it is. (laughs) There
1: it is. (laughs) That's a good mark of a scientist. So, all right. Thank you, Dr. Taylor. I'm going to close this out now. Uh, Thank you for joining us this evening. Anytime. All right, everyone. Thank you for watching In the Know with Cat Bob. tonight, my extra special guest, Dr. Ashley Taylor, who is an analytical chemist. Make sure you watch, like, and share. Um, We will be coming back next Wednesday, same time, same place, this time with Jungle Jordan, who is someone who works a lot with wildlife, and he's going to tell his story and the things that he is doing. So I hope you guys are having a wonderful Wednesday evening, and have a good night.